Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, November 16th. Hmm. Mid-month? Past mid-month. 2021? Uh, Almost the future of 2022? Was that a question? (laughs) Could still be 2021. I still think that 2022 sounds like something out of the Jetsons, and it's crazy that we made it to this year. Yeah, someone was talking about something coming out, like, I don't remember what it was now, but they were like, the earliest that it could come out is 2024, which still feels really far away, but then I'm like, I guess it's not. I guess it's like two-ish years, but it feels like in 2025, don't even get me started. Well, doesn't Marvel have plans that they haven't announced through 2030 or something like that? That's uh, Well, and I know everything got pushed back a little bit, well, or most things, yeah. so I don't know if that affected that at all, but they have all those like placeholders. I don't even know if they say event movie, do they even need to say that anymore? It's a Marvel movie, so yeah, but they'll be like, oh, you know, unmentioned movie this, unmentioned movie that, and then of course, Hawkeye series is... Someone was complaining about to. too many blockbusters, but it's because they had this backlog and yeah. they got to get rid of them, they got to release them, and... Everything now is kind of a wash. Like it, I think it's funny that people are still keeping track of box office where every movie released in the past year and a half for the next year just kind of gets a gimme because yeah. although movies are still making millions of dollars, those bigger ones, comparatively, it's millions less. But it's this new world that we've talked about before that the Mayfair will survive in of more people are going to watch at home and more people are going to video on demand mm-hmm. and more people are going to wait. And so movies are still going to make money. I think... Maybe stuff like Avengers and Star Wars are the last movies that will ever make a billion dollars. Yeah. But the studio will just make that money elsewhere. James Bond just made $700 million worldwide, which feels good. I don't know. Yeah, I know they yeah. usually make... I believe those were typically about a billion, more or less, you know, like... Because, like, they make so much overseas. Like, more than they make here, obviously. Yeah. But... And I watched that, actually. That was a really good movie. Like, it was... It's funny to think, like, that was, like, done, and that was his last one, and it's just sat, you know, for a year or whatever, like, not coming out. So as I was looking, it was three years, or maybe more, in between, and I was like, oh, wait, actually, it was more like two years, but then they were forced to wait. Yeah, if Lee was here, he could tell us exactly, but Daniel Craig had this funny thing. He has the longest run, but not the most movies. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's because of COVID, and there was, like, a big MGM delay for a while there, because the studio was going through stuff, Mm -hmm. and... So he did five films over 15 years or whatever, Jeez. whereas Roger Moore did, I don't know, eight over 10 years or something like that. <laughs> of varying quality. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, it is pretty, you know, I thought uh, Spectre was very hit and miss, more, yeah. more miss. But then I thought like this one actually kind of like, I don't know, they're all different enough. I mean, Casino Royale is amazing. I really like Quantum of Solace. I know a lot of people don't, but I mean, I enjoyed it if you're watching it as a story, as a second part of a story, you know? And Skyfall, like everyone loved and like I liked, but didn't love as much as everyone else. I liked it up to the ending. I thought the last five minutes super fell apart. I barely remember. I don't know. There's but a shootout a James at his Bond farm movie, or something. You know? Well, it's yeah. not really a farm, I guess, but... There was just a part where the bad guy saw them in the distance saw their flashlights or whatever and i thought it was going to be a trick but it was like no they just saw their flashlights and it was like you're james bond and that's how you got given away yeah that's i mean he's getting older i don't know i'm trying but to the song was the best i was like after adele's song just use that song over and over again and then i remember the one strangely i thought the one for specter was a terrible song <laughs> And it won the Oscar. Who is so, who, Oh, is that Sam Smith? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I did not like that song. I didn't. 
I don't know. I didn't hate it, but I, I don't really even remember it now that I'm <laughs> saying that. Was, that was like the, the writings on the wall or something, or, or maybe not. It must have yeah. been called Spectre. I, I, just, I don't even know anymore. Well, and I'm I'm not... I'll watch the James Bond movies, but I'm not a fan. So even this one, like other movies that are coming out or like Ghostbusters, I'm dying to see. Oh, yeah. that's It feels like that has been out forever and it's still not out. Same thing. Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to come out last year, but... James Bond, I will see, but I just I'm not I'm not a fan. I don't care that much, yeah. you know. If we get it here, I'll totally see it. But, sure. it's but yeah. entertaining. Uh, like I, I liked it. I mean, Leah told me already. Like he saw it when it first came out, and he was like, "Oh, it's it's really good," you know. Like, but I mean, it sounded more eloquent when he said it. He said more than that, but yeah, still like to because yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I enjoy them, but I'm not like, oh my god, James Bond. I haven't seen so many of those movies, honestly. Like, oh, and the old ones do not hold up. <laughs> we did a festival quite a number of years ago and man they do not hold up not even in like quality or acting or cinematography or any of that stuff but just the treatment towards every woman in the whole thing yeah and you got sean connery sexually assaulting women and slapping them around and you're like wow this does not work the new one is real good for that all the quote-unquote bond girls are very good but like there's one where like she's like fighting in high heels and like kicking dudes and i was and it looks cool it's just a neat moment you know and, and they're not they're not like i don't know i'm sure people are like oh yeah you know well they're having her do that because uh woke and blah 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 and all that stuff but like they do a really great job of having to be actual contributing characters and not just eye candy you know that's my favorite is it makes me so sad because the superman of my youth was christopher reeve who is a hero to everybody and then the superman of my i don't know was it junior high was lois and clark was dean kane right who I'm sure by today's standards is a campy show, but it was a show. I like the show. And now he's a monster. And it's right. so sad that one of our Supermans is a monster. And I do like that the other Supermans have ganged up on him. Not Superman. Super- <laughs> no, no, no. Superman. Supermans. He said something recently where, and I can't remember what it was for, like fill in the blank. He yeah. was mad about a female action hero or a black character or a gay character. Yeah. And he was like on Fox News and he was like, oh, it's just bandwagon jumping. And I always think back to Paul Feig talking about his Ghostbusters of saying, okay, so you think it's a gimmick having four female characters lead a movie? Is it a gimmick having four male characters lead a movie? Mm-hmm. Is it a gimmick having another white guy? Have you looked around our world? And so you can't argue with these people. They're past the point of no return. But yeah. you see Dean Kane and he's just he's just looks so smug, old white guy. And you're just like... Uh, you don't get it. And then you see his resume and you're like, yeah, you're not doing anything. Yeah. So. I mean, so much of the most vocal people are people who live in predominantly white communities. And so they don't see diversity. So when they do see diversity in newer films, they're like, oh, it's shoehorned in there. You're like, no, it's the <laughs> world. Like, yeah. that's a thing. And I mean, I grew up in a small town in Northern Ontario too. Like that was, geez, almost completely white. And it's just one of these things where you're just like, okay, well, I get it. You're, I mean, not to stereotype, but I mean very likely you're an older white person yes. who has not seen a lot of diversity and therefore kind of has a knee-jerk reaction to it or whatever. But it's just like, it's almost even more comical if you think about that from that perspective, that people are angry that movies are reflecting the actual world and like the actual community of diversity. And it's not just a like, oh, well, we don't want to upset the woke mob. We better put in this stuff to appeal to that small segment of people. It's like, no, no, no. You guys are the small segment. Like, you guys are the real minority in a way. Oh, yeah. Well, I love the thought that they think Chloe Zhao got to direct Eternals because she happens to be a female Asian person. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they didn't just 
find her walking down the street. She just directed an Oscar-winning movie. Yeah, she just won two Oscars. She knows what she's doing. And it seems has a real love of the geek game, which is cool. But I, I love that horrible, horrible, just close-minded, oh, you just got hired because of this. And it's like, ah, I'm pretty sure they liked her uh, and thought she was talented and she had a good resume. But yeah, you can't argue with them because, I don't know, h- how many times in the past hundred years has one of those type of people been in a debate and went, you know you're right. Yeah. I am terrible. No, it's, and it, I mean, it's even when John Boyega popped up in that first trailer, you know, for Star Wars. Oh, my God. So many people were furious for so many reasons, like so many dumb reasons. But you're just like, really? Like, we're not like, I'm not even going to mention like Lando or like Samuel Jackson. Yeah. But anyway, like there were so many people that were just furious and like, oh, yeah, I got to put them in there because blah, blah, blah. And it's just those thoughts are yeah. always accompanied by I'm not a racist, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in real life, I've seen people say something akin to that. And you're just like, well, if you say that, if you have to preface your comment with that, yeah. uh, you're, you're not off to a good first step there. And John Boyega rules. Like, oh even God, before that best. movie, like, you know, you're going to watch Attack the Block and tell me you're not happy to have this guy in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Come on. Let's talk about something else that yeah. makes me angry. <laughs> oh, good. I love this. <laughs> so lately, I don't know what it is, the amount of people I have to... So Instagram will tell me, as the person who's kind of more or less running the Instagram account, you got tagged on Instagram or you got mentioned on Instagram. So I'll go in and most of the time it's something nice. Somebody saying like, went on a date to the Mayfair tonight and it's a picture of them with the marquee or went to see my favorite movie tonight and it's a picture of them in front of the poster or something like that. (laughs) The amount of times it's somebody taking a picture of the movie as it's going. And I, I don't understand how in the year 2021 that people have had cameras in their pockets for a number of years mm-hmm. and for a number of years, signs up everywhere, people making public service announcements. Like I remember one with Sam Neill for Hunt for the Wilder People. I remember mm-hmm. cartoony ones from Minions and stuff like that. Everybody knows, please turn off your phone. And that they take the picture, that they post it, that they tag us. Like you'll be proud of them or something. They will be like, thanks for that. (laughs) And I I almost have this cut and paste response now, trying to sound stern but respectful, but I just say, hi, please take that down right away. We do not allow phones on in the cinema. The reason being, you might not realize this, but if the powers that be see a bunch of people taking photos and videos of our screen, they're going to think, even in this day and age, oh, they allow piracy in their cinema Mm -hmm. and they'll stop letting us show movies. And to a person, every single one has said sorry and taken it down right away. Yeah. But nonetheless, I just, I can't understand why this is. And it's it's social media's fault. It's well-meaning fault of people, but it's happening a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, the only, uh, the only like one that I've done was when we're doing like a live score and I get a couple seconds with the music because you're just like, right. it's so in the moment you're like, you're not even gonna believe it's real. And when it's over, you're like, oh my God, like I can't even describe that to anyone. Yeah. And so there's been like, yeah, like a few times with that, you know, I felt a little guilty, but it's really more about the musicians and not the movie at that point. Cause you're just like, it's just insane. Like I, I still can't believe, oh my God. I romanticize those very much. Nosferatu and like Haxon. I mean, they were just like religious experiences. Almost. Oh yeah. And they'll be back. They'll yeah. be back sooner or later. I can never forget the guy, my favorite Mayfair story and the long and short of it of, I had to kick him out of the cinema cause he kept on taking pictures. And then <laughs> his friend tried to make him leave and was apologizing. And the guy, you could just tell the guy would argue anything. He would argue what your favorite food was. He mm-hmm. would argue what your favorite movie was. He was that kind of person. 
And he said the punchline of, oh, you really think some cop is going to come and kick me out because of this? And one of our patrons stepped forward and said, hi, I'm an RCMP officer. Do you need any help with this gentleman? Man, I was at that movie. <laughs> and you were there. And I was, yeah. oh, it was... I was hiding behind the curtain waiting to see what happened with <laughs> yeah. that angry guy. But the dramatic pause and the Mountie stepping forward and yeah. flashing his badge, I had to refrain from yelling out, oh, snap. Like, yeah. it was so good. <laughs> but that was a guy who couldn't wrap his mind around why... Being told once, 99.5% of people go, oh my God, what was I doing? Put their phone away. He kept on doing it. Yeah. And then argued it and said, why aren't I allowed to do this? It's like, oh my God. And I can't imagine that person at like Cirque du Soleil, you know, mm. flashing pictures of the acrobats or whatever. Yeah. What are you going to do? Call the cops? <laughs> it's like, I'm a police officer. Uh, I don't even remember times. what movie that was, but that was like, yeah, because he was pretty loud. Like you could hear him from the lot or from the theater, I should yeah. say. And, I, and then I was like, oh, is Josh going to get beaten up by some guy? That's he, what I thought. He wasn't even like a tough looking guy. He was just loud. And I kept on just trying to get him to step outside to, and not with <laughs> me. fight him. You step outside. I'll yeah. stay here because I'm a coward. You want to step outside, please? <laughs> like just you? In those situations, I just feel like going like, look, I'm a lifetime nerd. I have never been punched in this manner. I've been bullied. I've been pushed around. Oh God. But I don't want to start now. It's like the Drew Barrymore <laughs> never been punched. That would be your movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just me looking darling on a poster. Yeah. He's going back to high school to get punched <laughs> for the first time. Please don't punch me. Oh, God. That would be, be a nightmare. I, I was lucky, too. I think I got shoved once. That's about it. I've, I've never actually been punched I mean, in the arm, maybe, but I've been yeah, lucky. Yeah, I, I was shoved around. My favorite, I'm very proud of this story, I must say, I must humble brag, is that I was in the schoolyard, and there was a Max Milk nearby. So Classic. I was in the schoolyard reading a spectacular Spider-Man. Of, co of course you remember exactly yeah. what it was. <laughs> Issue 221, I believe. Uh, yeah. And a bully came up and started bullying me and then ripped my comic in half. And I was feeling especially rebellious <laughs> at the moment. So it was, you know, I had the lunch hour, the 45 minutes. I walked next door, and it was a new comic. Okay. I walked next door to the Max Milk, bought the comic, and went back and sat there and started reading the comic again in my silent nerd protest. And he walked by again, and he was so flabbergasted <laughs> that I was there again with the same comic. And I remember him just being so angry. He didn't attack me again. But he just kind of yelled at me. He's like, why would you have that again? What's wrong with you? Oh, I hate you nerds. And like walked away in a huff. But I like wrecked his head. It really worked great for the Max Milk guy, though. Yeah, he got like, two sales. <laughs> Did he rip it like, spine first or was it like sideways in half kind of thing? Sideways. Okay, because they're both bad. But I'm trying to think yeah. of like, you know, if it was the one way, you could still sort of read it awkwardly. But I could have done that too. I, I should have went and like taped every page back together. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's better i mean this way is funnier because he might not he might just be like this kid's magic like i'm yeah <laughs> i'm fighting a young copperfield here <laughs> i probably fixed him then he he never bullied again because he was afraid he's like too scared that the book would regenerate itself or whatever yeah he's like if i rip a kid in half they'll come back man that's uh that's quite a story that's my favorite nerd story my favorite being bullied story Man, all I got, I have nothing to compare with that, but I was telling my wife this story the other day. I remember like I was the youngest of four siblings. Luckily for me, when I started grade nine, my brother was in grade 13, which doesn't even exist anymore. I at least had that. So I never really got bullied. And I was like, I've always been a social chameleon. You know, everybody liked me. I'm the class clown or whatever. I sound like an advertisement for me. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. the point is, I remember like the closest that I ever got was two times. One was a guy was 
I was in grade 10 and a guy I was like, oh, minor niner and shoved me. And I was like, I'm in grade 10. And he was yeah. like, oh, sorry. And he laughed. It was literally that. But the other time was this guy was like, oh, hey, uh, you know, and he kind of like shoved me. And I was like, you're picking on me. That's so like passe. Nobody picks on me anymore. And he seemed so confused and like, he never did anything to me again. Never even approached me. I was we like, had the same thing. We confused them. into. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did that even work? And even for me, I'm like, why did I think that would work? But it did. There was once where I just asked and it was this weird after school special moment where this terrifying bully who in grade seven, he was, I don't know, 35. Like yeah. he, he was, he had a beard. Like he was terrifying. He was hitting kids with eggs and he what? came up to me and he, he was going to hit me from like three feet away. And all I did was go, please don't hit me with the egg. I have to get on a bus. It's not going to be cool. I got to walk home. And he just kind of went, uh all right and kept moving so i think maybe instead of screaming and running just a human interaction just clicked his humanity enough Man. to be like click i'll let this one go that shouldn't have worked because that no. would have been an amazing egging like if yeah. i were a bully i would have for sure got you after that probably would have blinded me probably would have like, yeah i would have waited till you turned to go to the bus and then yeah. whipped it at your head exactly like, i mean no offense like no. i mean and, and plus i was never that kid so it's fine God. Uh, good times. That sounds terrible. Like, that's uh, this Ottawa school sounded more intense than wherever I grew up. Prairie Sand. Small town school. Yeah. Nobody go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not It's not the same anymore. I don't know. Maybe the, the schools are probably, like, more weird. I, I know enough people that are still there where I'm, like, aware of what still happens at the high school. But it's, like, new high school. It's the same high school. But oh it's, like, well, modern the, high school now. So The movie that, as a Canadian, I always call grade 8. But the movie is actually titled eighth grade mm, yes. that's a big north american difference between canada and the states that's a fantastic movie but you just watch it and you're like thank god people didn't have the internet and smartphones when i was 10 years old yeah because they're all monsters and i mean not to take it there and but that like you know guns in schools weren't really a thing when we were kids no in the states maybe but even then it's just wow that's one of the things where i'm just like kids having to go through like metal detectors every day and all this stuff i'm just like you know, it sounds like I'm like yearning for a simpler time, but I'm just it's the same as we've talked before, like like dating. I'm just so glad I don't have to deal with that. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I missed that by <laughs> a month that I didn't have to ever do the online Mo stuff. Like, yeah, modern high school, either pandemic or just, you know, modern in general and like dating. Just wow. I, I'm I'm in a good place right now. <laughs> yeah. It's better now, you know, I like knowing, because I work with some, like, you know, 18-year-olds and stuff. So it's like, I like knowing the breadth of these people and having, like, a good, being friends with, like, 18 to, you know, 80 or whatever. Like, I really like that and, like, getting different experiences. But I'm also, like, I'm in a good spot. I feel pretty good. Don't have to deal with life all that much. And, uh, you know, here's this. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break mm. for an ad from our friends at the Enviro Center. For the Green Initiative. I never did find out what if it was really called that. The green. Well, you can listen to this now and you'll know. Well, I can't. You, I don't hear it. You should actually just play. That was the sound call. It'd be so horrible if you just <laughs> yeah, hit just a button and played it right now. But I swear, after next is our or the next week is our fourth one. I think. Yes. After that, maybe they'll let us write the script and we can start. Oh God. Maybe they'll just be nice and be like, "We'll look at the script and not use it." We're like, "Okay, thank My you." My green lifestyle from Enviro Center. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go listen to that, and then we'll come back and actually talk about movies. Excellent. Let's do this. Actions shape our world and our climate. Sometimes it can be hard to know where we fit into the bigger picture. What exactly do we need to do to address climate change? And how can we get involved in our daily lives? That's where EnviroCenter's My Green Lifestyle courses come in. 
Our courses equip you with the tools you need to take action on climate, whether it's how to reduce your carbon footprint or how to help your city and community meet its climate targets. A green lifestyle is about more than just living lightly. It's about building a better future. Visit our website today to enroll in our courses at mygreenlifestyle.ca. And we're back. Okay, so I totally know now that it was not the Green <laughs> Initiative and that it is what it's really called. Okay, so let's chat about the movies starting Friday, November 19th. We have three new films and one retro film this week. The retro film is Ooh. High Plains Drifter, Oh, continuing our Clint Eastwood fest. I feel like you usually start with the new ones, so that was a nice twist that you twist, started with yeah. the old one. This is another Clint Eastwood directed film, mm. and I think another one of the films that made old grumpy people like John Wayne send him a letter on the typewriter going, you're making bad westerns, you should make nice westerns. You're making bad westerns, Pilgrim. That, oh, that was pretty awful. But... If Clint Eastwood, man, I want to see that letter. Yeah. I wonder if he. I wonder if he's like allowed like a magazine or a film textbook to publish that. Here's where John Wayne got mad at me for making westerns. You think, or do we have to wait till he passes and then all of this stuff slowly makes its yeah. way online, like Prince? I've seen one, two John Wayne movies. I've seen so few John Wayne movies. The Searchers. Have you seen that? Yeah, I saw The Searchers. I saw one of his when he was trying to do more kind of Dirty Harry kind of things. Not True Grit. No, he did like a cop movie, like a modern cop oh. movie. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. So I saw that one. But I don't know. It was probably called like, you know, like Bannigan or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's like know, 70 years man. old and looks like he could not run down the block. And... It's like Death Wish, basically. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. old, a much, well, it's like Death Wish 5, I guess. It would be more accurate. But I remember in the TV days when I actually watched TV. Wow. There was an ad on Turner Classic Movies. Mm -hmm. And they would put up these box sets. And so this was a while ago. This might have been over 10 years ago. But nonetheless, it's fascinating to see what is not released. Mm -hmm. And John Wayne is like one of the biggest movie stars of all time. And it was a box set of six DVDs of movies that had never been released Jeez. on VHS or DVD. And I think one of them might have been that Genghis Khan movie where oh, he nice. plays Genghis Khan. Yeah, I wonder why that hadn't been yeah. released up to that point. I know it's going to be terrible, but I got to watch that one day. I got to yeah. stumble on that on TV Ontario or something. You must have seen Stagecoach, I assume. Or maybe not. God, I don't even know. I can't say that I for sure have seen. I've seen like the scene where he's walking on the thing and I don't know. It's like impressive and supposedly. My it, dad loved Westerns. And I think by the time I was around, he was showing me Clint Eastwood and Lonesome Dove and Silverado. I think we kind of skipped over all the old John Wayne stuff. Because hmm. that's like, I mean, that was like 39. And that's like one of the biggest yeah. years for movies, period. And seven years after we were open. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. I mean, I've, but I'm not like recommending it because <laughs> no. it's like, you know what it is already. You know what you're getting yourself to. It's obviously a classic, but you know. So yeah, so High Plains Drifter. And then we have a few more Clint Eastwood movies before this wraps up. It's been pretty exciting. Really eclectic choices so far. And Lee like said, Lee, I guess. <laughs> Lee was blown away by the quality of these digital restorations. He mm -hmm. said they look fantastic. So. Yeah, which used to be, you know, a dirty word almost. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's embraced. So. Yeah. Uh, so then three new films. First up is The Last Duel, which I thought had been kind of panned, but I think it's like this perfect kind of Mayfair movie where it didn't really do great at the box office in the multiplexes, but that's fine for us yeah. because then we play it for a week and the neighborhood sees it. I had no trouble finding a bunch of five-star reviews, mm -hmm. and this might be one of the movies in a couple months up for some Oscar nominations. Yeah, it's Ridley Scott, right? Yeah, it's it's 83-year-old Ridley Scott who did this and then the Gucci movie, what? which... 
Like, oh, jeez. You know, I don't even know if I knew he did that. Like, back to back. Huh. So that this guy who should be sitting in a rocking chair enjoying his golden years yeah. is still directing these big movies. Wow. Yeah, no, like, and this one is particularly important because I got the uh, private message from my wife weeks ago being like, oh, I want to see The Last Duel. Interesting. And then we happened to get it here. So I was like, date night? Question mark? Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Does then- she like... I was going to call it swords and sorcery, but there's no sorcery in this. <laughs> swords and, it's not even swords and sandals. Like, swords I, I, and I don't horses? know if there are any sandals. I don't really know what it is about this that she wants to see, which sounds like like faint praise. But, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I know she likes the actors, but I think it's just, like, she does like historical, not necessarily epics, but just, like, stories. You know, I mean, she was a big Game of Thrones fan, so this is, this is basically Game of Thrones, yeah. right? That's what I'm taking from this. I think so. I know it's like there's some like intense situations uh, from what I understand. Yes, I think so. I don't. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I probably wasn't going to watch it, but now looking into it more, I'm like, okay, I like the people involved. I was gonna say the gimmick, but that's not right. The other thing about this film is that it's crazily enough the first film that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have co-written together hmm. since Goodwill Hunting. I didn't even know they wrote it. Nicole Holf Center. Okay. Co-wrote it with them. Hmm. And she kind of did the female perspective because I think it's told in three chapters. Right, okay. And then the other guys did their chapters and then they kind of worked together on it. Between Ridley Scott, who has been nominated, I think, four times for Oscars, he's one of those filmmakers who shows that Oscars don't mean everything because he's been Mm. nominated, but he's never won. And then those two guys who have won Oscars for writing a screenplay and then plus Adam Driver's in there. So Yeah. But yeah, so this might be an Oscar movie in, in the upcoming weeks. And then another film that we have is the directorial debut of Halle Berry. What? And this was a big film at TIFF recently, and it's called Bruised. It's a MMA drama. Oh, yeah. I didn't know she directed it, huh? Yeah, and it's her in the central role as an MMA fighter. Yeah. A hit movie, if you will. A hit movie, yeah. (laughs) And it won an award at TIFF. It's uh, an Ottawa premiere. Another example of us getting these movies is so interesting to me. What award was it that it won? I think it was for one of the other actors in it, and it won like a, I think it was called like the Rising Star Award. Mm. So it's for one of the younger actors in it for youth competition or something. And I don't Halle know. Barry's like, come on. I come like on. directed it. I'm in <laughs> yeah. it. Maybe I co-wrote it. You're giving me nothing. Where's my award? Did she write it? That would be even better. Like, I Maybe. I'm yeah. going to say no, probably. But yeah, so that's Ottawa premiere this week, Bruised. And then the Damn. other Ottawa premiere is called Feast, or sorry, The Feast. Oh, get it right. I think it looks, I watched the trailer. It looks it, to me, it has the feel of Parasite, although not the exact same, where it's like thriller horror film. Mm-hmm. It's about a family at a dinner, and I'm not looking into it too much because of the spoily kind of stuff, but it's like our central hero in the movie either proceeds to kill everybody or at least make it a really terrible night. So, oh, what? <laughs> so how, I mean, that would both are, would be both true, I would think. I just can't tell in the movie. Like in the movie, it doesn't show her with a knife or anything. Okay. Or sorry, the trailer. But in the trailer, it shows that I think it's a revenge horror film of she's the nice person in the family and they're all horrible. Huh. And, she, and in the context of the trailer, it seems that she's like poisoning food or making people double cross each other or Jeez. stuff like that. So a real mind game kind of a movie. It's so she could be a cannibal. We don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's a part of it. But I'm speculating based on nothing other than what you just said. Yeah, yeah. But it looks good. Like, like wow. it just, just from the trailer, it gave me that parasite feel of the snobs would call elevated thriller elevated thriller <laughs> I figured which were... i hate that term yeah but i think 
if there's a trailer for this posed at a certain audience, the voiceover guy would go, the new elevated thriller that yeah. was the hit at the Cannes Film Festival or whatever. <laughs> it almost sounds like that movie, The Invitation, where they have that dinner party and it's yeah. like there's stuff happening and people are maybe dying and whatnot, which everyone seemed to love and I thought was okay. But there's just one or two moments where you're just like, no character would ever do or say that or act that way. Yeah. And I was like, not trying to be that curmudgeon. But this movie, though, won't have any parts no. like that. This is, and I like the, I like the uh, comparison to Parasite, one of our most successful movies <laughs> all the time. You're like, yeah. maybe this is the next Parasite. Did you like Parasite? <laughs> yeah. If you like Parasite, you got to come to this. But again, it's a fun week. I love when we have the diversity of a classic Clint Eastwood movie, mm-hmm. a thriller, a true story drama, and a swords and horses period yeah. piece swords and blank and it's pretty crazy that affleck now has two oscars maybe three yeah holy cow yeah well because he got stuff for for argo he argo. he was a producer i'm pretty certain god he might have another one for something where he stumbled in as a producer yeah because I, I he's gone girl gone girl maybe it was definitely up for several yeah and i'm and like damon just oh what just has the one right like yeah it's because I mean he's great too, but then but he's more I don't know. That's well, he did all like the born identity stuff. Exactly, yeah. That's the thing. Like I, I find it so funny that when these guys were first coming out, Affleck was like the write off that people were just like, oh, this pretty boy, yeah, he's yeah, doing yeah. like Bound and like whatever else he's doing, chasing Amy and stuff. And then you know Damon was the guy that you fi- you were like, oh, that that he's gonna be this Oscar type guy, and then he goes on to be an action star, which is still weird to me, but great. And now, like, Affleck is the auteur that, that turns yeah. around and does... It's strange. I feel kind of bad, I'm not going to lie, because, uh, yeah, in, in 97 or whatever, around that time, I was just like, Ben Affleck, yeah, like, we're going to trust him to do ben stuff. Ben Affleck seemed like the guy who was along for the ride. Yeah. Like, his friend wrote a really good screenplay, and he kind of hung out with him, mm-hmm. and then he stumbled into this, but, yeah, and now he's a filmmaker. And then and and then he was Batman. Like, like they both became action stars, but also kind of... I mean, no one would call Matt Damon a pretty boy. Well, some might, I guess. But, like, it's so funny. They've all they've both done similar movies at different times in their career, and now they're doing this again. Like, I still can't believe they won an Oscar. Like, they were they were in their early 20s. Oh, my right? God. You like, see the photos of them, and they, they look like they're 17. Yeah, it's insane. Like, what a movie. Like, that was such a cool movie. And, like, Robin Williams, like, just is so good in that. And people forget that it was kind of this Cinderella story or this rags to riches story of these two punk kids wrote a screenplay. They had done a bit of acting in some other things. Mm -hmm. And I think the odds makers were not that they were going to win that award. Yeah. I totally forget what the other films were up against it, but it was more highbrow fair or more experienced fair. Well, I know it was Titanic was that year. Oh, was that one? Yeah, because Elliot Smith did the soundtrack for Good Will Hunting, which was the first time I ever heard Elliot Smith. And then he was like my favorite musician forever until I stopped being a sad bastard. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, like, so he did that soundtrack. So he went to the Oscars that year and lost to the Titanic song. And everybody, because it was such a weird juxtaposition of having this forlorn singer-songwriter dude with the soft voice and yeah. up against this just worldwide smash song. I mean, I still think Miss Misery was the better song, but you were, you were like, okay, we knew what was going to win the song that year. Anytime people get mad about Oscars, I'm like, if the movie got nominated, they're getting a lot of publicity. Yeah. If the movie didn't get nominated, they're getting a lot of publicity because people are whining about it being snubbed. But you look back... Every single year. There's not a year where people go, ah, yep, that's good. I agree with everything. Mm -hmm. Every year. And it it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's not going to take it away from your favorite movie if it didn't win an award. Yeah. And you see a lot of big shot people kind of joke about it. Like Spike Lee was like, 
oh, it's fun when you win the award, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. It's yeah. it's it's subjective because you could have the best friend in the world and you have different opinions on movies. Mm-hmm. It's subjective. So how do you give an award to that? It's not like basketball where you're like, that team got 100 points. That team got 97 points. Then they won. It's different. Yeah, I never get too wrapped up with awards because most movies I like will never win anything. Scott Pilgrim never won an Oscar. No. Nah, doesn't make me hearts, like it less. I mean, it did, in my heart, yeah. <laughs> I still don't think... I don't know. I like people liking what they like, but I still don't think Titanic was that many award-winning of a movie. But hey, yeah. it's cool. There are a lot of great people involved, and we all just had a good time. So let's wrap it up for this week. You can find information on other upcoming films like Outlaw Josie Wales and Fright Night and Mulholland Drive and New York Ninja, which is coming oh, way geez. off. Speaking I, I, of 2022. I already we, forgot about that. And that's a February booking. That's the that's oh. very early for us to have a booking. And, it's, and my mom's birthday is in February, so you I, bring I your mom. assume she's coming to this. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. So yeah, MayfairTheater.ca, and we are, of course, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week on the Mayfair Theater Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I watched that Shang-Chi movie. Oh, yeah. Pretty entertaining. Not as entertaining as the Door of the Explorer live action movie I watched for Bad Movie Night. Oh, man, we got to stop talking now. But that movie was strange to me because I was like, is Dora supposed to be a grown-up? And yeah. like, I was like, I don't understand this timeline. <laughs> Lago seemed like an ordinary place. Just a quiet one-street mining town. And the townsfolk seem like ordinary people. Suddenly, down from the high plains, a stranger drifted into Lago. This was no ordinary stranger, tall and lean and dressed in dusty black, and his was no ordinary mission. Clint Eastwood is the high plains drifter, and they never forget the day he drifted into town. High plains drifter is not an ordinary western. High Plains Drifter, a Universal Malpaso production. Rated R, under 17 not admitted without parent.